Hey guys, I'm Will. Um, so Jane asked me a few weeks ago uh, to speak on faith. So I thought I'd speak on one of the outward expressions of faith, which is repentance. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Jay shared an awesome message a few weeks back, drawing from some of the book of the wisdom of James. Um, and that inward faith, knowing who God is, will have an outward expression loving others and doing good works. But there's more to it. I believe that a sign of faith is repentance and the pursuit of holiness. Repentance is a a sign of humility, saying that what I've done is not right, and Lord, your ways are better. Whereas unrepentance would be prideful, trying to justify yourself before God. But in repenting of your mistakes, acknowledging them before God, seeking forgiveness, and changing your ways. You're bowing down and letting Christ justify you. I think an awesome example of repentance is in the book of Jonah in the Old Testament. I find it quite easy to follow, and it's not too long, which is good for me because I'm not that great at reading. But um, in it, there's this man, a prophet of God named Jonah. Um, Through the story, we see this man, Jonah, being called by God to preach to the city of Nineveh, that they might turn from their wicked ways, repent, and turn to God. Now, Nineveh was a city in the nation of Assyria who was constantly at war with Israel. So Jonah wasn't too fond of the Ninevites. In fact, he said he was scared to preach to them because he knew that God was kind and compassionate and would forgive them if they turned from their wicked ways. So Jonah ran in the opposite direction. He ran towards a place called Tarshish. And anyway, he jumps on a boat, and yes, he gets eaten by a big fish. And he finally decides to turn around and go and actually speak to the people of Nineveh. He tells him, 40 more days and and Nineveh will be overthrown. And guess what? The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. This is a sign of repentance, humbling themselves. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Who knows? God may yet relent. Oh, sorry, I skipped a bit. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent with, his, with compassion, turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring them the destruction he had threatened. Now, there's absolutely a lesson here to be learned about loving our enemies, but let's focus on the point of repentance. God loved the people of Nineveh. He longed to see them turn from their wicked ways. So he sent Jonah, his prophet, to tell them what will happen as a result of their wickedness. The people believed or had faith in Jonah's word. So as a result of this, they stopped what they were doing, they repented, they turned the other way and hoped God would hold judgment from them. They could have been prideful and tried to justify themselves in their ways, but instead they humbled themselves before God, acknowledged what they were doing was wrong, and repented and changed. And God saw their efforts and forgave them. Now, this is a pretty amazing story, 
But what's the bigger picture? What more can we see from this? Well, Jesus told people that he came with the sign or the message or a sign of Jonah. Luke eleven twenty nine to 32 says this. As the crowd increased, Jesus said, This is a wicked generation. It asks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. For as, for as Jonah was assigned to the Ninevites, so also will the Son of Man be to this generation. Verse 31 likens the wisdom of Jesus to King Solomon, but 32 continues to say, The men of Nineveh will stand up at the, at the judgment of this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And now some, something greater than Jonah is here. Now, in this, Jesus is referring to himself. Jonah came to warn the Ninevites that they must repent of their wicked ways or they'd be overthrown. But Christ came with the message of an eternal kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. Right throughout his ministry, he taught people to repent, forgiving sins and calling people to live righteously, set apart from the world with eyes set firmly on the kingdom of heaven. And sin is to chase after those worldly desires, the things that we know are our own ambitions or desires, but not God's. Sin takes our eyes off of the kingdom and puts us in line with the world, not set apart as Christ has called us to be. And in repenting, we're turning to God, fixing our eyes back on the kingdom. And it's not just a once-off thing. The Ninevites did not just repent once, turn from their wicked ways just to go right back to them. No, their minds were transformed. They lived lives of repentance. And likewise, we are called to live lives of repentance continually seeking the kingdom. If you said you had faith that Jesus is our saviour but didn't repent, what would that look like? Maybe you tell yourself the actually hang on, maybe you tell yourself that your actions actually aren't that bad. Maybe you get angry at someone or hold a grudge, but you think they deserve it. Did God not tell us to love our enemies? Should the, should we not change our ways to look to God in the situation rather than satisfying that anger? Or maybe we're trying to hide things from God or even hide things from myself. But if you have faith in God, would you not know that both you and God know things aren't right? Like Jesus said, he came with the sign of Jonah to teach repentance. And I believe that living a life of repentance is integral to having faith. But hold on from putting sackcloth or putting on sackcloth and throwing ash in your hair, as the Ninevites did. Instead, humble yourself before God. Remember, he is always there. Confess your sins to him and live pure and righteous, as he has called us to. Hebrews 12 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us. Uh, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith for the joy set before him he endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart thank you Cheers, man. Always cool. So we've got Ruby now. If you want to come up and come and share. Awesome. 
So Ruby is not only a really good singer, she actually can talk and also studying to be a teacher as well. So really looking forward to hearing and also just thank you for your passion as well. It's always great. Like it's not always just like singing with Ruby. She goes, adds something, really shares her heart. And so guys, let's open ourselves up. Be ready and looking forward to it. <laughs> Kia ora, Kathan. Um, yeah, I just want to talk all what Kathan said about Will, about his passion for the word. Man, if you ever get to sit over like food or drinks or anything with Will, inquire of his mind. Like, holy moly, um, it's pretty unrivaled. Um, so, <laughs> e mihi nui a, uh, e mihi nui ki a koutou katoa, uh, kia ora whanau, my name is Ruby and I love kumara, um, it's really yummy, um, and today it is my genuine delight to be here speaking, uh, right in the thick of our faith series, and so, um, today I'd love to speak to you around a young man called Timothy. Now he is, it's like name so nice you say it twice kind of thing. He's so, you can learn so much from him that he actually has two chapters. So first and second Timothy, we're going to be diving into a little bit today. Um, so Timothy was a young man and when Paul was traveling around Asia Minor, evangelizing in various cities, he reached uh, Lystra, Lystra, where um, Timothy lived. And Paul was essentially taken aback by how incredibly intelligent and passionate for the word and how, um, yeah, how wise he was, a little bit like Will, um, how wise he was in, in the ways of God. And so basically... Timothy was like, man, I can learn from Paul, who's this incredible scholar, passionate for God, knows the gospel. I'm going to pick up myself and follow him and learn from him. And so that's where we meet Timothy in the thick of these scriptures. Um, So we find a young man passionate about God, passionate about scripture, and decides that he's going to follow Paul, learn from him, kind of sit in his ways and come under his wing. So if you follow me to 1 Timothy 4... um, Hermeneutic scholar, which is like a fancy word for like Bible interpretation, um, Gordon Fee outlines that Timothy, he's a young man, he faces three main problems. The first one is that he wrestles with his identity um, and stature in a culture that really values age and seniority. Two, he's physically weak. He's actually wrestling with a lot of like, we kind of read it here as like stomach problems. Um, And then three, he's fearful. And so... um, There's a beautiful verse in 1 Corinthians that um, Paul describes Timothy. He goes, uh, my beloved and faithful son in the Lord. So they're not related. They haven't done life together for very long. There's no blood relation, but he calls him my beloved and faithful son in the Lord. And so we're going to come back to that, but that's just a, a lovely window into how Paul views Timothy and a glimpse at their relationship. So for each of these issues that Timothy has, Paul has something to say. So his tuakana, his mentor, his significant older voice has advice, wisdom, counsel to give Timothy. And so for the first issue he has of identity, um, incredible verse um, that is often shared uh, and spoken over our young people. It's 1 Timothy 4.12. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. One thing that some really significant people in my life have been speaking to me over the years is that um, courage comes before confidence. They're two different things. And so 
confidence is the pattern of stepping out in courage over and over and over again. And that pattern becomes confidence to the point that it's a state of being. Does that make sense? And so what Paul is encouraging Timothy in is to stand in courage with the confidence in your identity and the leader that God has called you to be. And so he's countering a lot of um, worldly expectations that um, would be placed on young people and says, no, stand up, etu, you are a leader. Stand in that. Um, Second piece of wisdom from Paul is he gives him advice for his physical health. Um, 1 Timothy 5.23, stop drinking only water and use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. And so we understand from this, Timothy, gut problems, whether it's stomach problems. The water wasn't very clean back then too, and so that's why they were often drinking wine. And so he, Paul says, here's some, like, here's some advice to look after your body. You know, I care about your well-being. Mix a little bit of wine with your water um, because this is the body that houses your spirit. This is the body that you use to do God's will, hands and feet of Christ, you know, kind of thing. And so he goes, it's important that you look after your body. I'm going to give you counsel in the physical. Um, And then for his third um, piece of advice, Timothy is fearful. How many know you don't have to be young to be fearful? Yeah, you know. Um, So Paul is like, I've I've got something I can say to that. And an iconic piece of scripture that has definitely made its way onto our kitchen's like chalkboard many times is uh, 2 Timothy 1.7 that says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and sound mind. And some some translations will say self-discipline. And so... With each of these lessons or each of these teachings, we could actually spend ages diving into them and unpacking the advice that Paul gives. But what I really want to speak to is that the constant in all of that advice, other than God, obviously, is that Paul has been speaking. And so my primary point to encourage you in today is surround yourself with faithful people. So Timothy is a young man who requires help. I think he's quite young in um, the Bible. I mean, but anything kind of un- under that realm of 40 was really young because they, they lived a life. Um, and so Timothy is a young man that requires bolstering, a young man that requires help, L- like many of us, like me, s- certainly like me. Um, that might be like you too. We were never meant to do this journey of faith alone. And so what I find inspiring is looking out, um, whether it's in church, whether it's in your community, whose life do you admire? Whose faith do you admire? Whose relationship with God would you not like to be, but would you like to replicate, emulate, come close to, you know? Who inspires you? Um, For me, the most valuable times I've found have been literally sitting on the floor sitting at the dining room table of the, the passenger seat car of, of wiser people than me, um, humbling myself before them, submitting myself and being like, can you help me? Um, because I need people sometimes to have faith when I don't. Sometimes I need people that, yeah, I've got faith, but I could definitely grow in my faith. 
and I like the way that you live your life and I like the radical faith that you have and I want to come close to that. Can I walk with you? People to intercede for you, people to pray for you, people to call you out on your stuff sometimes. Um, So that might start by looking around and looking at your friends. Are they salt? Are they drawing out the goodness in you? Are they compelling you to grow in your faith? Do they inspire you? That might look like getting in a small group, in an activate group, meeting regularly and unpacking the word, growing your faith, hearing God's voice and being confident that you know it's his. It might look like, and this is something I'm incredibly passionate about, seeking mentorship. Older people that have done this life a little bit ahead of you. So you know what it's like to walk in relationship with God 10, 20, 30 years down the track. It might look like asking them to catch up for a coffee. I know there aren't many people that will turn that down. (laughs) Coffee, lunch, a walk around the lake. It doesn't have to be difficult because I feel that people have so much value and so much wisdom to give because they have done this life with Jesus. And so I would really encourage you, get around your Nairies. Get around your Tim and Gems, you know, like get around your Tina and Alan Halls, you know, people that are wise, that know Jesus, that know his voice, your Nicoles, your Calebs, your Amys. These are people, these are the kinds of people that you can learn such a lot from. Maybe you're the Timothy. Maybe you're in a season. I think we all need help. You know, I don't think age defines when you stop needing help. But maybe in this season you're a Timothy and you're seeking a Paul. On the other side of that, maybe you're a Paul and you've got stuff to give. You've got resource, you've got wisdom, you've got experience, but you're like, I don't, we need you. As a young person um, whose generation so desperately needs guidance, please don't ever feel like your voice is unimportant. Um, We need your voice, we need your, how do I say, your consistency. And so, just to finish, the body of Christ was meant to be intergenerational. We see that with Paul and Timothy. They interact, you know. Paul counsels Timothy. Timothy learns from Paul. It's this beautiful reciprocal relationship. In teaching, we call it ako, A-K-O, reciprocal learning, um, to exist in a community that can encourage and uplift each other as we grow in faith. And so that's my main takeaway for you guys today is surround yourself with faithful people. And I really do believe that it increases your faith tenfold. So kia ora, guys. Thank you.